Oh, there we go. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast Act Round Zero, your home for the apocalypse for episode 75, Off Topic 2. I. Boogaloo. Electric. Off Topic 2, Electric Boogaloo. Thank you. I can't believe I missed an opportunity to say that. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, we are. I am the apocalypse nerd, and he is Adam Bomb Glancy. We will be coming to you tonight live from Warship Ajax, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know where that's from, right? I was laughing in the hopes that you would not uh, quiz me and reveal my ignorance. Uh, Warship Ajax, you're going to have to fill me in. I am failing my nerd cred check here. I am Flash. Ah, it was War Rocket Ajax. War, uh, okay. Double nerd check. Uh, checkmate. <laughs> Repost. And, uh, uh, finish him. Glancy, <laughs> finish him. Uh, sorry. So, we, um, off topic two. Uh, so I thought, you know, off topic two was, uh, the first off topic was pretty successful. So we're going to continue to do these. Uh, basically, you know, if you hadn't heard these yet, uh, basically, it's just Scott and I ranting and raving about whatever floats our post-apocalyptic boat. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about uh, stuff. So, um, oh, one of the things that just popped in my head before I forget: Were you aware that Ten you know, you know Tenacious D, right? Yes, I am very familiar with Tenacious D. Hey, apparently they have a new album out called Post-Apocalypto, and they have done. Uh, like a movie or uh, a series on YouTube. Uh, like I've seen like it's broken down to episodes, like single episodes or one big movie. Post-Apocalypto, which basically is a post-apocalyptic story that they illustrated and star in. And basically it's not animated. It's really more like still, 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 like done in like MS Paint. Okay. Oh, it, <laughs> oh wow. Or something like that. It's so. Are are you going to compare this to Release the Beast? Um, Dagon Release the Beast. I I, I I I know what it is. No, no, they did a better job. Um, but basically, it's them. You know, like they'll break into songs. Like apparently, all throughout the movie, they're like they'll break into one of their songs from the album, and it's just telling this post-apocalyptic tale of surviving in the apocalypse. So. So there you go. It's apocalyptic, you know. So it sure as fuck is. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely, it counts. I, I, I am going to be going there immediately to check this out. Yep. So tenacious D post apocalypto. It's about them. They're trying to survive and get laid, and this, you know, it's basically, you know, tenacious D stuff. Yeah. You know, all we've come to expect from. Jack Black and Tenacious D, or just Bl Black's involved, right? You did say that. Yeah, Jack Black and uh, Kyle. Um, I can't remember his last name. All right, but but uh, yeah, no, they you know they're they're goofballs, but you know what? They could sing and they could play, you know, and they do a damn good job of it, you know. So um, hey, if they if they want to visit the apocalypse, I'm not going to stop them. I you know we'll review their work. You know, we'll, we'll come back with a review later. All apocalypses are welcome, you know, at least on the way in. We may kick you out the back door afterwards, but we'll let you come in the front door. 
Oh yeah, well, uh, well, we'll 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 get we'll uh, let you pass the bouncer, you know. Yeah. But whether you stay or not are two completely different things. So, post-apocalypto, tenacious D. So I came across that. Like I knew about it, but then I forgot. But all of a sudden today, I'm like, oh wait, that tenacious D thing, you know. So I um, so I I, I looked at at um that a little bit. So. I really need to get some lighting in this studio that di <laughs> that diffuses correctly. Um, so we got a bunch of stuff that we've come across and uh, some things we wanted to talk about. Um, oh, one quick little thing. I was telling Scott before the show that I one of my dreams, you know, from, you know, uh, 19, is it 82 or 81? Oh, man, again. When, when did the Road Warrior come out? Is it 81 or 82? I thought it was 82 here in the States. Yeah, I think so. so I mean, as Mad Max 2, it may have hit screens in Australia in 81, but, you know, you keep talking, I'll look it up. Yeah, because it's 81 and 82 were fucking phenomenal years for movies. I don't remember which ones came out which years. I don't remember. But you have things like Blade Runner, The Thing, Conan, The Road Warrior, Escape from New York. You know, it was like a 13-year-old's wet dream two years of movies. Raiders of the Lost Ark. There was like just hit after hit after awesome movie in those two years. You make a good point. Those were all formative goddamn movies. And it wasn't just that they came at the right time when we were young. They were great fucking movies every single time. Everyone you've mentioned. Oh, and there's more. There's just stuff. I'm, there's stuff I'm forgetting. But there were so many movies <clears throat> that uh, ET e came out then too. You know, I remember seeing. I remember. I remember seeing it. <clears throat> yeah, you're, you're right. It's 81 for Road Warrior. It was okay. I thought it was 81. Um, there were so many great movies. There was at least 10, 15 movies. I have never seen a two-year span like that since. Um, especially not not in the last 10, 15, 20 years. It's like movies are like kind of far and few between. But just those those years just hit this amazing movies. But so ever since I was 12 and seeing The Road Warrior in the theaters, because that's what you could, you could do back then, because <laughs> nobody cared. Uh, well, yeah, they do it now, but, but they check a little more. Um, I always wanted uh, the last V8 Interceptor. I was like, oh, I'm going to have one one day. But as I've become an adult and learned more about these things, uh, you know, you know, people make car kits, but to get a 73 Falcon XB, you know, from Australia, you know, pretty hard to get. You know, you might be able to find a beater for five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, you know, like a total piece of crap. And then you're going to have to probably spend another uh, $50,000 to $100,000, you know, getting it up to par, you know. Just because the parts are so hard to get and rare nowadays, you know, the kits are one thing, you know, but so I was finally able to get myself one. And uh, the people who are on audio can't see it, but I'm showing the people on the YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. There is a company uh, that does they're, they're It's a matchbox size car. Uh, I think it's Johnny Lightning. Uh is, is the company that does it. They do all these like specialty ma like matchbox style cars. 
uh, from movies and TV and stuff like that. So they did, you know, the road warrior. It's it's from the first film. It is not the later one with the tanks and stuff from from the road warrior. It's from Mad Max. But you know, I think I paid with shipping. You know, less than ten dollars for it. You know, because it's like you know whatever the shipping is plus it's a few bucks. You know, five six dollars for you know it's pretty typical, but. Uh, they're available all over Amazon because they they have that one. They had another one with a little different coloring. They even made one for like I guess some kind of some of these newer like uh, slot cars. Like remember when you used to have the race cars when we were a kid? You click them together and they had the little groove in it. And you put your race car on. You had, you had the little controller that like made noise as it, it ran across and gave it voltage. Uh, there's like some modern like um, like race tracks like that, uh, but that don't have the grooves. But they may have, they have like a Mad Max car for that. So, and I think there's also a larger scale one that's probably like like seven eight inches across. So, so yes, I finally have my V8 Interceptor, um, even though I can't drive in it. Mister Mister uh, <clears throat> Wallace, uh, yeah. if you go and you throw out you know an internet search of films released in 1981, I got to point out that The Evil Dead was released in 1981. Oh, there's hit after hit in 1981. 13th part two, the first time we get the hockey mask, American Werewolf in London. Yep. Um, Das Boot, Excalibur. Oh, yes, Excalibur, yes. Uh, the original Cannonball Run and Porky's, Stripes, Heavy Metal was released, Scanners, okay, um, uh, Body Time Bandits, Quest for Fire, it's it's really terrifying the the, the films that were released in 1981 it the, the number of good ones and then it repeats itself in 82 yeah there there was even more like like conan came out in 82 yeah. uh blade Runner. there's so much stuff in like 81 and 82 the thing was in 82 there's yeah. there were so many amazing like like it was a fucking two fucking giant fistfuls of good movies each year Will we ever see its kind again? Oh my god! No, I I have never like. Okay, you tell me in the last twenty years when you seen. Okay, the list you just read me was what eight movies? Well, there yeah yeah there and, and there's more all great movies. You tell me in the last twenty years when you seen a year where you've had that many good movies. I don't even throw out things like uh, 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 Dragon Slayer was on that list and uh, oh yes, Dragon Slayer that. Yeah. People didn't. Like, that was Disney's first PG movie. Yeah. By the um, way, there was a there was a bunch of other things on the list. I just I just shut it down. But um, uh, one of the things I want to know about is okay, it's eighty one, eighty two. I'm wondering how much of this stuff is before the giant explosion in VHS stores and technology when everybody's got a VHS player in their house or a beta player or whatever. So. Everything goes onto the screen. If you make a movie, there's none of the straight to video that we always hear about, right? Oh, now we have straight to video, but yeah. it still wasn't back. You didn't back then, back then. Everything got into the theater. I think I'll bet you there were more movies released in '81, '82 than that are released today because so much of it doesn't show up uh, in a theater. It goes onto video, it goes onto DVD releases. Or it's downloadable, or it ends up in somebody's archive. Or something. Oh yeah, there was no one, no one demand. So basically, you had to go in the theater, you know. Yeah. Which means with a with a larger selection, you know, we just had a huge selection. And so, yeah, I I think that must be part of the issue. Was 
so much of this stuff there was there was more to choose from back then. And oh, it, there was, but those two years in particular, like you look at eighty, there was some good stuff. Eighty three, okay. Eighty four had Return of the Living Dead. There's some stuff, but those two years in particular had so many good movies, awesome movies, and I saw them all, you know, or most of them. So, um, anyway, so yeah, so I got my interceptor. All right, so um, hold that up again for the people at home. Make sure we can for the people who have video, you can see my little matchbox. Vroom vroom. Woo, I'm a video. It doesn't look terrible. It actually looks pretty good. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 out of focus, but no, they did a nice little job. You know, it's again, it's from Mad Max, and you know, they got all they got all the details. It's oh, pretty. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Okay. Do the doors open? That's always the first question on Matchbox Car. No, no, the doors don't open. But I think on the large, there's a larger version out there that's a little more money. That I think the door, the doors uh, open on it. Okay. And um, what else? Oh, I didn't post this on, on the on the blog yet, and I'm going to. I, I found this guy on YouTube did this two part video about the timeline for the Mad Max movies. Okay. Now, uh, the timeline for the existing movies, which a lot of people say, we, we've had this discussion at length about, oh, there's no real timeline and there's no order. But yeah, yes, there is. Um, and the Mad Max Fury Road, where, where that fits in the timeline. You know, and so many people say it's like, oh, it's just like telling the story around the camp. You know, we've had this. You go back to the Mad Max episode and we talk about it, but. Uh, my my take is that it's a reboot, okay? Mm -hmm. So this guy did this two-part video, um, first talking about the first three movies and their and their chronological their chronological order, which is the order of the three movies. That's exactly how they're supposed to be because this guy did he did some digging to scripts, talking to people interviews tv magazine and put things together timelines together like you know this happened around you know the late 70s and this one would have happened in the 80s this one would happen you know when it would have when the timelines would have happened uh he did a pretty good job break i think breaking it down because he did his research and the research uh he came from the second video and his conclusion was that the fourth mad max film fury road which was should have been done like in the 90s or early 2000s, but it kept on, as we know, it kept on getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And by that time, they thought, you know, well, uh, uh, Mel Gibson, went, it wasn't going to do it. He was getting too old for the role and so forth. So it was originally supposed to be, a, it was originally supposed to be a true fourth film, a continuation of the Mad Max story. That was its original intention, again, from scripts. But because of, you know, uh, Mel Gibson and the age of time, so basically, and they even said that it basically became a reboot. It's not a oh, it could be anywhere in the timeline. This it's a reboot. He he his conclusion is it's a reboot, and he reinforces what I've been saying that it's a reboot of the franchise because it's too far from the original movies to be a continuation. Because he even talks about in the video about how in the original script he was supposed to have like pieced together an old interceptor again and so on and so yeah. forth. Um, uh, it's I, I'm going to be posting them. Like I, I, uh, I, I have them lined up to post. So it's it's a pretty good analysis. I agree with what the guy says, especially because he showed a lot of uh, where he got his information from. Say, uh, the story of Mad Max putting the interceptor back together again 
that's a movie I'd want to, I would have wanted to have seen just by itself. You know, that there's, there's the montage sequence. I, I'm sorry. I didn't get to see. Damn. Yeah. I don't know how we would have done that, but, um, or where would have got another one, but that would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, there's a, there's a, there's a will, there's a way. There's a, <laughs> yeah. So I'll be posting that. So basically it uh, validates what I was saying that it's a, it's a reboot, folks. It's not a fireside tale of blah, blah, blah. It was supposed to be the fourth film. Didn't happen. He kind of restarted the franchise. Yeah. That movie. So um, you can still believe what you want to believe. Uh, a lot of people disagree with me, but um, you know what? It's my show. It's your show. We can say whatever we can say whatever we want. We're right. So <laughs> we we do have the ability to block contrary opinions. It's one of the nice things about our post-apocalyptic dictatorship we have here. Yes. And uh, uh, we don't normally do that. Uh, I don't think I really do. But anyway, so uh, so those are things that I come up with. There, there's a couple things I'm gonna I'll talk about, and I'll know let Scott take over giving some more analysis of it. Okay. Um because he 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 did he did the, the legwork. I didn't. Um <laughs> Well, you found them, okay? That's the, the first thing is you found them. I just did the uh, forensic analysis after you brought it back to the lab. Yeah, so um, I didn't do that. Let me, I hate putting these on because, but as we get old, we can't see anymore. All right, so I came across this company, and I mentioned this before. It's called <clears throat> Throw Eye Games, LLC. It's this guy has this little, uh, small game, like tiny little game company, uh, a lot of the things he started doing was he does a lot of throwback stuff. Um, he does a fanzine called Back to Basics, is I think what he started with, uh, where he does a, like basically a fanzine like you would have had you know 30 years ago uh, about basic Dungeons and Dragons, basic expert Dungeons and Dragons. So it's got some pretty good stuff in it. I, I looked at one of the issues. But then I also found that he apparently goes to um, North Texas RPG Con uh, frequently. Because I guess he must live live in the area. So, uh, in 2016 and 2017, he produced two modules. Like every year, he does like modules for 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 the convention. So, in 2016, he put together NTX3 North Texas uh, RPG Con. I guess number three was the uh, I guess the module he put out. Into the wreckage. Uh, it's a first edition Gamma World module. So we did a throwback. He created a module for first edition Gamma World. Um, and then in 2018, he did another one uh, for the convention uh, called A Dish That Serves No One. So he did these two modules for first edition Gamma World. I tried to get, uh, I, I contacted the guy, Sue, if he still had any of his physical copies that he printed out and sold at the show. Yeah. He, didn't ha he didn't have any. So I had, so I had to buy, I bought him a PDF because, you know, um, very few people, you know, Gamma Worlds, you know, is a dead is a is a dead franchise pretty much. Um, even after you know they rebooted it seven years ago with that uh, tactical miniatures board game, it's not a role playing game. People, I don't care if you like it. Um, so, uh, so, so somebody who's doing something for first edition, even second edition, whatever, but but somebody's doing something for old school Gamma World, I support them. So I so I got it. Um, I got, you know, cause I'm a big dork. I wound up, uh, printing them out on some thick paper just so I had a physical copy of them. Very nice. Uh, uh so I was just excited to see somebody who's doing something for first edition Gamma World. So 
uh, there, there are these two modules, and I'm going to let Scott talk about it because he did the analysis of them. You know, I, I was a bad uh, host and I didn't do the re didn't read up on them, but uh, Scott's better at that kind of analysis than I am. So I'm going to let Scott talk about the two different modules. Cool. Um, the uh, they're both uh, the, the a dish that serves no one uh, is a 32 page uh, product. Uh, end of the wreckage is 40. And um, the thing I liked about uh, right off the bat, the one of the things I really liked about um, Into the Wreckage uh, was the idea that you start off discovering it's an encounter uh, scenario. There's no mission. You just throw this in when your characters are moving through an environment and you find an airplane that has been downed somewhere that has been forced to land out and uh, sort of crash land. And while you get into the airplane and you, you know, you sort of uh, recognize, you know, start exploring it, uh, you realize that someone has dug into the aircraft from below and that anything that was on board that was value has been taken out through this tunnel. And you follow that out until eventually you get to an underground facility. Um, the wreckage, both the base and the airplane are related to the social wars. So the author links back to the various uh, uh, social terrorist and political groups uh, of the era. And the base you dig into actually belongs to the apocalypse. It is not the apocalypse's prime base. It is some sort of outpost of the group that called itself the apocalypse that actually pulls the trigger on destroying the world and gamma world lore. And there's this great thing where uh, the airplane is one of the factions, the, the uh, apocalypse are the guys who run the base and they forced the aircraft down, uh, dug into it with some sort of underground boring device that they use to move around because they're literally an underground organization. And um, they loot the aircraft for intelligence. And, but unfortunately, one of the things they take has got a, a, a digital booby trap. I really like this. They steal all this intelligence from this aircraft that they're going to use in their you know, plan to end civilization uh, or threaten to end civilization. And one of the items they get has a virus in it that when they plug it in and their, their software network to start analyzing it, it infects all the machines in the base and causes the robotic security to turn on the base personnel. So when you get to that base, everybody's dead. Uh, and there's a reason for them all being dead. Their own security systems turned on them. Um, but they fought it out with the security systems, which is why there aren't rack after rack of of hydrogen energy cells and pristine uh, blaster rifles and laser rifles and you know that sort of stuff. Uh, the place has been damaged and denuded by a fight that took place inside the base. And I really like that because it gave a reason why it's not just a giant treasure box out of Monty Hall. It's wrecked too. People used up all their hydrogen energy cells and, and all their weapons fighting with the robotic security. It's also why the robotic security is doesn't just massacre the players. Because when you get down there, they're all beat up, damaged, you know, have been scavenging parts off of each other to stay uh, functional. Uh, so, you know, uh, the place isn't like opening up a time capsule from the social wars. 
but it does give you this look into the kind of chaos that's happening during the social wars where one group takes out another group, but in their victory, they end up being wiped out by a booby trap left behind. Um, that in and of itself, that idea, that vision of the social wars was really interesting and kind of like even here at age 53, uh, thinking back, this would have been really good as a kid for me to see in high school because it would have given me a different idea of the social wars. You know, it would have given me this idea of, um, yeah, because that's <clears throat> that's not something they really delved into in any edition of Gam World. They talked yeah. about it, but they didn't really uh, get into it. So he, did, the guy, did some expanded world building with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And instead of coming off like, um, in the in the original book, it comes off like terrorists, terrorist groups fighting terrorists. And again, he had the example. I think I think he might have been working from the example of Beirut, right? That the city of Beirut was one of the most uh, uh, richest, most cosmopolitan cities in the Mediterranean, the Paris, you know, of the Mediterranean, of the Middle East even. And within a few years, the civil, the civil war in Lebanon reduced it to a moonscape, you know, with multiple militias killing each other and fighting over the place and, you know, um, government disintegrating so that Government is no longer a single entity like, you know, because the Christian Maronites control this part of the government, that breaks away because the uh, Druze control another part or the Sunnis or the Alawites. And it just, you know, breaks down along sectarian lines. Um, so reading this, it comes off less about terrorists as it does. It's more like the cryptic alliances or secret societies. I mean, it comes off... The future feels like it fell apart because the Illuminati got into a battle with each other, not because, you know, rinky-dink protesters with signs and terrorists, you know, uh, 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 rioted in the streets. You know, it comes off more like a battle of, of hidden forces behind society, um, which sort of works better. Uh, the dish that serves no one is about, a, I think it's about a satellite, well, I believe that's a reference to a satellite dish. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I looked at it a little bit, so yeah, it's definitely, um, yeah. They reference it in the description of that there's a satellite dish that started moving around. Yeah, uh, all of a sudden. And I like the idea that it's it's set in a community that's built on an old ruined military base. The problem is they haven't discovered all the base. That even though they think they're living in all the base, there's underground bunkers at the base that the population does not know about, and some part of the base becomes reactivated. And it starts malfunctioning. Uh, in specifics, it's malfunctioning by uh, attempting to get um, uh, orbital weapons platforms and orbital weapon systems to return to base. Like this recall code's been sent out. So stuff just stuff that can't really make it back through the atmosphere starts remote piloting itself in, breaking up in the atmosphere and raining down on the base, smashing the community. And you've got to get inside and turn the thing off. And again, they came up with this really, he came up with this really, it's it, both of these are dungeon crawls. Absolutely. Right? Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's what he's kind of into the throwback to the basic and expert uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, and Gamma World first edition was around that time. So it's, it's all, it's all dungeon crawl. Cause that was the kind of yeah. just uh, the, not the mindset, but you know what I mean? That was this kind of, uh, I can't think of the right term for it, but that's just how they were back then. You know, not all the time, but Dungeon Crawl was predominant. 
back this, time. This one is uh, this one is a, is is also about exploring a secret base. This time it's an actual uh, military base belonging to the U.S. military. Uh, one presumes the Air Force because it's about suborbital weapons platforms and suborbital things like that. Um, the big deal that's going the, the thing I liked about this base is that okay, it's a base left over from the apocalypse. It didn't take a direct hit, so you know what's going on. Uh, why why are you not just going to pop it open? Why didn't the, what happened to the people inside? Why didn't they just come out with their high tech weapons and rule the roost? Well, the answer is. Um, the base was hit by some sort of, uh, again, some sort of malfunction or some sort of computer virus during the chaos and gets this lockdown order. And so the crew that is manning this, this, this section that's uh, sort of the, you know, monitoring the uh, uh, low orbit of the United States, they're trapped in there. And at first everything's cool because there's a war going on outside and they're not getting hit, right, when the apocalypse happens. But then at some point they realize, okay, time to get out. Let's wait till radiation levels get low enough. The base is still locked down. They can't get out. And the food starts running out. And then suddenly the interior of the base turns into this fight for survival where it's down to the last cannibal gets to starve to death inside the ruins of the base. So again, you've got a situation where it survives a direct hit, but is it intact? No, because the place uh, turned into a free-for-all with various gangs uh evolving between the different groups inside and uh periods where you know one group would take over and designate who was on the menu and who wasn't or designate at first who gets food who gets full rations who get half rations and at some point who gets food and who doesn't and then at some point who gets food and that during the course of this there were you know rebellions and riots and and changes of uh, who's in charge until they just they're just all dead and they've used up all their supplies so you get down there and you know eventually turn this thing off, but uh, the, it's it, it, it's not it's you're not sitting on the like here is the dragon's treasure hoard. It's not like yeah. that. There's yeah. stuff, but it's not over over yeah, exactly. It's and there's still some automated systems. Again, it's one where uh, there's automated systems. I think that are down there. I think this one actually has some other. You get down there and you can run into another group that's looting the same facility. From a different entrance there's a group of arcs in there who will it's interesting he wrote into this thing where the the uh the arcs which are like dog-like or, or human human like dogs up, up standing upright dogs will actually negotiate out of a tight situation like you know they've got a bunch of shit they've looted well you might want their shit because maybe they've taken all the best stuff but rather than get into a firefight because you've got them outnumbered they'll like go how about we just we leave with this laser pistol and we walk away and call it even, you know? And so I thought that was nice that that was put into it, that they're just not uh, mindless monsters, that they're intelligent and they're not really one. They don't really want to have a firefight. They just want to loot this place, you know, and get away with some treasure. Um, the one thing that's missing. And I, when I read through it, I went back through it a couple of times and I, I don't I couldn't find it. Is that in the initial write-up, it says that a, one of the reasons this base is working is because a malfunctioning Android has come back online and is badly executing its orders. But when I go back to the book, I could not find stats in that. I could find stats for the security robots, the robots, the arcs, uh, various other critters that you can find down there. He really likes, I'll tell you this much, he really likes funguses. 
he really likes all the creepy, shitty plants and funguses from the uh, from the original uh, Gal World book. So you're being you'd get killed by shit that doesn't have a brain. You know, you can just get killed by nasty, radioactive, or poisonous plants or slugs. And the other thing he he really likes for some reason is the fucking Herkle, uh, which is that weird fish that has the 18 intensity contact poison. Yeah, you know. Those show up twice. Both scenarios have Hercules swimming around in the flooded sections. He also likes flooding things because if there's no pumps, groundwater just seeps in. So there's sections of the base that are completely submerged. Well, and, that, well that's, that's good. He's like, you know, thinking outside the box to do so, some different things, which is cool, you yeah. know. So the flooded stuff I really like because that's exactly what would, would happen. But um, they're, they're, they're simple little uh, dungeon crawls. And he builds in reasons why they're dungeon crawls, um, why they're not just, you know, oh, uh, they're not just opening up a treasure vault, uh, why there's still systems down there that are dangerous to you, why there's why it's not a fully armed facility, why it's got damage, uh, uh, you know, there's some history. And while you're down there, the players can piece together what happened in the past. Those mysteries can be answered. Well, another reason why they're not large things that you know that you can just drop in anywhere because he makes these for a gaming convention. So he needs to have four something. Hours. Four hours. He's going to be able to get that done in four hours. Yeah. So he needs something that he can just drop it and play. But it's you know, but it's good for everybody. If anybody out there still playing first edition Gamma World, you know, uh, this is a good thing because you know if you go to because they're available on uh, Drive Through RPG. As we know, DriveThruRPG is now the premier site where uh, a lot of people, large companies and small, uh, you know, established companies, people doing their own self-publishing, uh, could uh, put their products on. Uh, a lot of it's PDF, and they have a lot of P uh, print-on-demand. So uh, the guy who did it, um, I, guess, I can't remember his name. I think it's Tom Thomas. Is I uh, uh, can't see it, his name on here. Um but is the company? If you if you go to drive through RPG, it's Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. Okay, I knew it was Tom. Um, Throw I Games, and that's T H R O W I G A M E S. Throw the letter I Games, and all his stuff's available there uh, on PDF. Um, not it's not really uh, they don't have any print on demand with that, but it's all reasonably priced. You know, like um, the modules were. 250 and 350 yeah. you know for for pdf um you know it's watermark pdf and a lot of his uh, issues of back to basics if you like uh if you like basic uh, expert dungeons and dragons you know uh the fanzines they're like a dollar fifty two dollars you have some other adventures that are a couple dollars so he's putting out a lot again supporting uh, supporting the old school i hate did that you, term the old school role playing did you say that second edition gamma world is now available through drive through no, no, no! But I haven't got there yet. Um, oh, that was, that was going to lead me into drive th to drive through RPG. So, so those are available there. Throw I games, you know. Uh, even if you're just interested in just getting them to read, you know, it's going to cost you five, six bucks for a couple of adventures on PDF. Uh, so, you know, support the guy. You know, he's doing the old school stuff, uh, which has you know become popular, and you know that's what a lot of us like. Now. Um, Wizards of the Coast, for some reason, in their infinite wisdom, have finally started putting a lot of their older gaming products on DriveThruRPG, if you didn't know that already. Um, 
you know, some of the licenses they've gotten rid of, like recently they got rid of uh, Top Secret, but they've still held on with, you know, Death Grip to some of these other fran- these other IPs, which they're not doing anything and will not do anything with, except they started they started putting Boot Hill up. Uh, they did Star Frontiers, um, which is basically – Star Frontiers is really just basically D&D, basic D&D in space, you know. Um, but I'm not I, – I like it. Um, but they also started doing Gamma World, finally. Uh, fourth edition has uh, – not fourth edition, seventh edition, which is fourth edition D&D, has been up for a while. It's still available in stores. You can, you can find them on clearance. If you really want to get a physical copy, you can get one cheap because – they made way too many of those, and they're just they're just collecting dust and rotting. <laughs> um, but they started uh, also putting out uh, some of the earlier editions. Like uh, recently, they did fourth edition first, which was uh, ninety. Uh, they did fourth edition. I think they did a couple of the source books. Um, not everything. They put out first edition Gam World, which I mentioned before, and I and I got the, the print on demand for that. Uh, I got, you know, it comes with a PDF. You could order just PDF, print-on-demand, or PDF and um, print-on-demand. So since it was first edition Gam World, I got that. Now, uh, the PDF, the, PDF um, the scans are good. They did they did a good job with the scans. They, they, they actually spent some time on them. Unlike, you know, you know, when you find a lot of this bootleg crap out there, it's just garbage. But they did a nice job of scanning, nice, clear printing. Um, the PDF, the organization is, they didn't put any effort correctly into that because it's a, it's a little janky the way they put it together because the PDF basically, and the P- print on demand basically comes to where the top of the box and the back of the box is the front and back of the print on demand and the PDF. Now on the inside, it was a little janky. Um, like the PDF was not, the order wasn't really good because you know, they first, they started with the, the book cover. And then they started, you know, then they put like the map and then they put the back cover of the book and then they put the rest of the book. So they, they didn't lay it. They, they didn't logically lay out the PDF. Um, they cleaned it up a little bit for the print on demand, but it's still one. The one thing that's off with it is, you know, you got the cover. You have the first page of the first page, first page of the actual booklet. Then the next page is the back cover of the booklet. Then the book starts. So they really should have, you know, book ended it. They should have put this at the, they should have put the back page at the back of the book. Uh, that's my only gripe about it. Uh, and then after the book, so when the, when the book is over, they also then put, um, I mean, it's not useful. You can't really do much with it, but the, the, the map is in there too. So that would have been fine if they would have done box top, cover of the book, the entire book, back cover of the book, map, Back of the box, they just had to move one page, you know. But otherwise, you know, uh, it's thicker, heavier paper. The print quality is really good. It's a totally something useful. You could, you could play off it. Um, you know, it's their, their typical pricing, which is like, I think it's like, I don't know what it's like, six, seven dollars for the PDF, and then you get the print on demand for like fifteen, or you get both of them for a discount. So, first edition is up there. Uh, they just put up third edition. So they're really starting to get this stuff out there. So they did third edition. I don't know what that one looks like, but I think basically they mashed the entire box in there, like the book, the charts, the adventure. Everything's all together. So I don't know how that breaks up. 
Um, you know, if you have the PDF and if you have an editor, you could kind of separate it out so it makes a little more logical sense for you. But third edition's up there. So they so now they have first edition, third edition, fourth edition, seventh is up there. So I think second edition, second edition's got to be next because I think they would do second edition before they did fifth edition, which was alternity. You know. Mm -hmm. Oh, sixth edition is up there too. I forgot about that. The sixth edition, which was uh, the D twenty, which was done by Sword and Sorcery Studios, which is a subsidiary, was a smaller side company for uh, White Wolf Publishing. Yeah, yeah. So if they're doing, because um, they've been they've been doing D and D stuff for for years. Like modules, source books, that, you know. But now they're starting to do some of the other IPs. So mm -hmm. hopefully they'll start doing some of the Gamma World modules and stuff too. So we'll be able to get all the content up there, at least as a PDF and print on demand. So that's that's kind of cool, you know. No, I I uh, I think that they're going to find out that <clears throat> when it comes to buying PDFs, um, it's a nice cheap way to get your nostalgia on. And it's, I mean, <clears throat> and their production costs are just minimal. Uh, I think it's nothing but gravy for them if they do that. You just got to pay. You just got to pay the resources to get. You have to get a good copy of it and pay somebody the time to get good scans in. But once you've done that initial investment, it's all. You're right. It's all gravy. They just put it on there, and you know, uh, DriveThruRPG has a file structure of like whatever that you know. This is how much it costs to print. You know, if it's if it's POD, this is how much it costs to print. We have X markup, and then anything above that. Is yours depending on what you put for the price you know so if it's like you put it you know if it costs uh let's just say five dollars to print and uh they take you know like say you put it for ten dollars it's and it costs five dollars to print they'll take their 20 percent, and then anything else is your profit it's 30. they take 30. oh, oh they're up to 30. okay so but yeah so it's all once you have that initial investment of time then it all just goes up there. You don't, you, you know, you don't have to warehouse anything. You don't have to do anything like that. And then PDFs, you're just, you're just taking a cut. You know, there's taking a cut. You know, for PDFs. Yeah, but for that thirty percent drive through, and this has been my experience through Pick and Publishing, they give you great record keeping. Okay. Oh yeah. They do a great job keeping your records for you. Um, you do not have to design a website yourself. You do not have to design a payment system yourself. Um, for a tiny company like us, there was no choice. We were not going to burn the man hours to set up a system to move PDFs when we could just do it through DriveThruRPG. Yeah, it's it's a reliable, well known, well known, respected uh, website. You know. Yeah, and especially the traffic. It's that well known thing. You know, um, you can't beat that. That's they're doing. They're doing the advertising for you. You know, that's a dime. That's not one dime you have to put into advertising. Oh, yeah. So, you know, so they have that company. And, you know, if people don't know, they also have an offshoot uh, drive-through cards where they do print-on-demand card games. And the quality of the stuff is there is good, too. So, um, yeah. So, uh, again, Throw Eye Games is available. Uh, there's a lot of Gamworld stuff that's now available uh, on, on there as well. Uh, what else? Oh, one of the other things I came across is We've talked about before in the past um, Mutant World, Richard Corbin. A num many years ago, I found out that there was a continuation of the story called Son of Mutant World, which came out in five uh, comics uh, put out by, I can't read the comic company. Um, I can't read this. 
<laughs> you put those glasses on like Kirk in the 1982 film Wrath of Khan. <laughs> uh, if I was only that cool. Um, uh, Fantagore Press. Okay. So I'd heard about this, and for the people who could see uh, the video, I have all five copies of Son of Mutant World. Okay? Okay. Now, I'd heard about them, and finally I decided to track them down. Um, I got it for because, you know, they're older. I mean, the original cover price is $2 a pop. I think I paid with shipping less than $5 a book, you know, maybe $4 or something like that. Not bad because it's old, out of print, hard to get, and some of them are really bad shape, and these are really great shape, so I was excited. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Now, uh, to my disappointment... I mean, they're not big comics, which which was fine. But the entire comic book is not dedicated to the story. Oh! Son of Beauty World. Oh, harsh. Oh, they oh, they padded it out with a, some other B story? It's a little bit of an anthology of other things. Now, some, oh. of, them are, some of them are apocalyptic as well. So Good. that's so that's cool. But I was thinking that the whole thing was going to be... Uh, Son of Mutant World. I thought I was going to get a lot of material, but so that was just a, so each one of them is like that. So you know, it's kind of like it's an anthology, uh, you know, comic book with. I mean, like the first one. Only like maybe I don't know, a dozen pages are dedicated to it, so it spreads out over five comics. It probably could have all been done in one comic. But they were doing other stuff. I mean, it was all Corbin and stuff. So I'm like, all right. Now, is the, is is all of it Corbin? Um, no, I think th there is some other Corbin stuff, but there's other people in here. Um, okay. A lot of it. A lot of it is Corbin. It, it might all be Corbin. Do uh, you remember the uh, post-apocalyptic Corbin comic that was all about the missile silos out in Kansas? About there's some sort of uh, war going on between you know. Uh, people living in North America, where it's it's some sort of religious war, but it's been so long in the future they're referring to each other as instead of Catholics, they're like cat licks or something. No, that, that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't ring a bell. All right, well, never mind. I'll, that's an assignment for next week. For next week. Uh, so so I got them all. Um, I would have to say, you know, unless you're. Uh, the completest type, like me, who likes to track and dig the stuff up, you could skip it. Um, it's not all, like I said, it's not all the story. And the story is kind of, well, the first mutant world wasn't Shakespeare by any means. We know that. But it was fun. You know, it was fun. I enjoyed it, you know, when I was, you know, 15. It was good. I still like it to this day. I had a mutant world poster in my room when I was 15, you know. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I ordered it through Heavy Metal, so uh, th this this story was kind of uh, it was a little weaker than the other story it was. I didn't like it as much, so I spent the time and money to track it down to get good copies of it. Because a lot of people wanted because it's vintage, it's old. People wanted like you know ten, fifteen dollars a comic book, and I'm like, no fucking way. So I was able to get uh, for a reasonable price. You know, uh, I, I don't regret it by any means, but. Unless you're, unless you're said you want to be a completist, you could skip it, you know. Um, but I did track that down. 
So it is out there, Son of Mutant World. If anybody wants to uh, find that. Okay. Um, so tell me one thing. It's, uh, it looks like it's the uh, – who was the um, – I can't remember who the, what the name of the uh, protagonist from original Mutant World is. Dim? D-I-M? It was Dim, right? Dim, uh, Dim, 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 Demito. Otherwise known as Dim. And yeah, used to call him Dim. This is, um, this is like, it's like Dim's daughter is the plan? Yeah, it's his Dim daughter's. Him and the girl from uh, the first comic have moved off to, you know, uh, mom and dad are gone at the generation later. Yeah, yeah, they they left in the first book, and now you know it's his daughter, and um, I'm trying to see his. It's, I saw the name here somewhere. Right. Basically, but, go ahead. De, uh, yeah, yeah, um, Dement, uh, Dementos, D I M E N T O S. Okay. So. It's his. It's his daughter with the with the girl that he that he went off with. So it's a continuation of those care of those characters, and he's in the book. So, oh, he is. Mm -hmm. Okay, the original characters. Oh, okay, yeah. So again, it's interesting. It's one of those like, oh, really? They continue that just like with Cobalt sixty. Mm -hmm. I have the one compilation because it appeared in Heavy Metal or uh, or Epic, I think, originally. But apparently, they I had the one graphic novel which had. Uh, or it's like a larger graphic novel that had the story of uh, Cobalt 60 in it. Now, I didn't realize, I didn't know, again, back in the 80s, I didn't know. They continued the story like in the late 80s, early 90s, and they print out, there was like a couple more comics or graphic novels they put out, mm -hmm. which I've discovered, you know, I don't know, in the last couple of years. But I haven't really tracked, into, uh, tracked those down, but the, it continued the story after the one, the one well-known that was when that was out there. I'm like, oh, okay. So, so there's more Cobalt 60 to be had. <laughs> well, um, I have the only the vaguest recollection of those uh, of that Cobalt 60. Um, I, I, I mean, it, I feel like I know, but at the same time, it feels all I can remember is the one that ends with him being carried off by the humans at the end, right? Where they've pulled the mask off him and he's he's not a mutant, you know? And he's being uh, dragged away at the end uh, as they're singing his praises, I guess. Yeah, um, that, I think that was the end of the one book, you know? So, uh, but yeah, no, it's because it's, it's Von Bode uh, who did that, who also did Cheech Wizard. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're, if anybody's familiar with uh, Cheech Wizard, it's the same art style, Von Bode and, because um, I think what happens, I think, because he died quite a number of years ago. I think his son uh, continued the Cobalt 60 stuff after his... Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, that also sounds vaguely familiar. Um, that it's not actually Von Bode, but it was some other... It was it was stuff that was begun but not finished. Yeah, stuff that he started and his son worked with somebody to finish it up because his son, you know, was able to produce his, uh, his dad's uh, art style. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, so there you go. So, uh, what else? Uh, that's that's a lot of stuff. Well, the only other thing um, I wanted to bring up because you know, as we know, there's always you know tons of movies. We got to do the whole Netflix uh, movie list because there's a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff on there. Yes, um, there is. Yes, there is. But there is one in particular that I I remember posting about 
back in the spring, and I only recently uh, kind of ran across it again, was a TV series called The Rain, yeah. uh, which which was, I believe, a Swedish series. It's, it's Danish. Danish. It's Thank Danish, you. and they are, there was a whole thing about going back into Copenhagen, I guess, uh, at one point, and then uh, uh, trying to get out of Denmark uh, on the grounds that there may be something outside Denmark that's not fucked up. Um, yeah, because uh, the rain is basically uh, somehow there's this toxic rain that comes that kills people, fucks people up. Uh, I guess it kind of mutates them a little bit. And it's a story about these uh, two kids who go with their dad, who's a scientist, into a shelter. He goes out, never comes back. Years later, they come out and uh, encounter other people, and um, the story ensues. Have now, you seen any episodes? I have not. I have, I've only recently bookmarked it on Netflix. Um, okay. the, the one thing, the, the thing that has me worried about it is it was under the young adult category. Mm. Well, considering the number of people they they kill, and uh, sort of the the situation where it's like, then they have a rather nasty example of what happens when you don't kill somebody you're supposed to. <laughs> you know, I can't pos I can't shoot a mother with her child, and then she goes and infects everybody and kills them. You know, everybody dies horribly because you couldn't pull the trigger. They do that one time. Um, they're they're not shy about killing people in a relatively grisly manner. Oh, so yeah. even though they classified as young adult, it's really it's young adult because the people, our survivors, are uh, you know a brother and sister who've been in a bunker for like something crazy, like six years. So he goes from being eleven to seventeen, which is a gigantic fucking change. You know? Yeah, he goes to being twice her size. And they're kind of crazy, and they're kind of stuck in this bunker, and they run out of food, and that's why they have to leave the bunker. But the I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen part of it. And um, uh, the dubbing wasn't great, so that was a little off-putting. Uh, I think I might have been better off if I could have watched it with subtitles, but I didn't have a lot of time, so I was listening as much as watching sometimes. Um, but um, it was plenty violent. Uh, it um, uh, the the big mystery that you're trying to get unraveled is how come Dad had a bunker with like a twelve year twelve year supply of food in it, right? You know how come Dad so had everything so wired together? You know um, the answer is he probably caused it. Well, that you know what that kind of brings me back to. Um... Jeremiah. Yeah. Yeah. It does have that. It does have some of that uh, going on in it. And um, as far you know, when they, and when they get out of this fucking bunker and go to Copenhagen, um, the people who have survived, it's, it's not good. All right. It's full on fucking feral shit. You know, it's not good at all. Um, everyone's a little bit batshit crazy. Uh, and, savage and um yeah it's uh it's pretty brutal um i was a i mean it was good so far i didn't have any real complaints about it but at the same time it wasn't really compelling me to get all the way to the end 
And I think the biggest off-putting thing was I wasn't really thrilled about the actor, the voice actors who were doing the voices of the kids. Um, they, they weren't great. Uh, they, they come off a little whiny. Even though what the kids are doing isn't whining, I, I felt like the voice actors were putting some whine on it, and that that's a problem. So, so you think it would have uh, been better if it, they would have just had it in their native tongue and we had subtitles? I think so. Um, I'm going to finish. Yeah, well, it might have helped it a little yeah. bit. I'm definitely finishing it. Don't I mean I, I just went for because I'm a completist. You know, put it this way. I have an interest in going back and seeing that. I have no interest in going back and seeing Revolution. You know, speaking of TV series apocalypses. Because yeah, I lasted, I lasted about six episodes of Revolution, and I was like, I can't watch this anymore. Because Revolution's idea that somehow you can turn the existence of technology off, science just stops working, really pissed me off. That just... Well, I think I got far enough to realize that it was some kind of nanotechnology bullshit. Yeah, because yeah. apparently, yeah. The, I'm like, again, that's not how nanotechnology works, motherfucker. But okay, fine. Um, my, you know, you know, my favorite nanotechnology so far was was the Silo series. Yes, they did a good job with that. They actually had a great idea for how nanites would work combined with uh, uh, freezing with uh, cryogenics. I thought that was a really great way to use uh, nanotechnology to make cryogenics finally work. But the rain, worth checking out at least. Yeah, yeah, I think you're going to be, I think you're going to be happy with it. Uh, the at least to start with, um, there are problems, um, but uh, I still feel like I want to go back and finish it. I just haven't gotten to it yet. I'm just happy to see another culture's, another country's apocalypse. Right. Hey, I can. You know what? I'll put it on my list to watch. And once we're both finished with it, hey, there's an episode right there. Yeah, we'll we'll throw in that French Canadian zombie movie, Ravenous. Because oh, I I got that bookmarked. I got to watch that too. Yeah, because again, it's different places doing this. You know, I I'm just always very happy with some other place doing a post-apocalypse. It's one of the reasons I was most happy about the show, uh, the Dark, the German show, uh, the Dark which is this super fucked up time travel show. It starts off looking like, oh, they're doing a German version of Stranger Things. Yeah, well, maybe in, in sort of general overall themes, but it gets into a really ugly time travel story, you know, where time travel is not fun anymore. And the last thing they show is because they've been bouncing around in the past is they, they show something where the characters have been flung into some sort of post-apocalyptic future. And my thought was like, yes, I want to see a German post-apocalypse. That's exactly what I want to see. You know? Uh, so I'm really excited about that second season for no other reason than I want to see what the Germans, how the yeah, Germans do their post-apocalypse. Yeah, you said it's called The Dark? Yeah, The Dark. Where is yeah. it on? It's on Netflix as well. Okay. It's on Netflix as well. Um, now that thing about the, you know, going into the future, that's one of the last things that happens in the in the series and it's the cliffhanger it ends on so you don't get much but you get just enough to know oh yeah yeah apparently and it's not uh, the the future looks very um it doesn't look um mad maxi it looks very jeremiah it looks like it looks like some of those wars in the balkans you know what i mean uh, uh it looks wet rainy cold 
and um, miserable. But don't worry, there's plenty of bullets. Oh, okay. Well, that's good news. That's good news, right? Oh, yeah. All right, so cool. All right, so we'll look at the rain, and then um, the only other two two more things I'm going to brief. These are brief things, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, uh, besides there being an American version of Train to Basan being made, which I think will fail uh, because – well, just be – we, we don't, don't have, We don't have trains. We don't have the train culture that they have in Europe and Japan. So it's not going to make any – it's not going to work well. Um, but they are actually making, uh, the, the Korean is actually making a sequel to train to Busan. Yeah. Color me there. So I'll be worried because, because they could easily continue that because it just happened. The girl got through. I, I think they could continue that story or maybe they might take it from a different angle. So I'm curious to see what happens with there. And speaking of trains, here's the last thing we're going to finish on this. I found this on YouTube because, um, I was bored and digging around. There's a guy who makes this video, and he has a theory. Now, the theory's pretty thin sometimes, but sometimes it's very compelling, okay? <laughs> he theorizes that Snowpiercer, okay, Snowpiercer, which I still haven't heard anything about the TV show that was supposed to be uh, coming out for that. So Snowpiercer is the sequel to the 1970-round-70 70 film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> uh, ooh. I, I see some overlapping themes. <laughs> like I said, it's some of his... Connecting is very thin, but sometimes it's very compelling where it's like, you know what? I could see that, you know, it's like he makes some good arguments. Some of them are very weak where it's like, that's a stretch, but he has some very good arguments. Oh my God. Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, wow. I, <laughs> Okay. You're going to put a link to that in the show notes, right? You're going to link to the Willy Wonka theory, right? Yeah, I'll 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 post it on the blog. It's like I don't I don't I don't do show notes, you know, because I tried doing that at the beginning and it's just too uh, cumbersome. So I'll just do my normal. I'll make a post on the blog talking about you know with a, with a link to it. It's do um, that's 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 hilarious oh as soon as i saw them I'm like okay i gotta watch this i was like I gotta, I gotta see what i gotta see this guy's crazy theory and like i said some of it's like nope yeah okay i yeah i could see it <laughs> you can feel the crazy beginning to infect your own brain you know? yeah yeah shouldn't, yeah shouldn't i be immediately dismissing this i mean is he making sense or am i losing it you know <laughs> he made sense Oh dear! A lot of things like oh, okay, well, yeah, all right, all right, okay. The time frame seems okay, and it, then that, and uh, that's okay. Yeah, no, it's. Does this make Ed Harris Willy Wonka, or is Ed Harris um Charlie? Charlie. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, oh, that's oh, oh, oh. Here's some overarching themes: the food production angle. Yeah. Small children, well, umpa the people dying out, yeah. using children now. 
Um, the technology, the Zawanka was big into different technologies. Okay. The train, this, he makes them like, uh, <laughs> find it, finding a successor. The, oh, the, guy, oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Going the, guy, the-, the guy who was his agent. Uh, some of the characters may be uh, some of the other people. The weak stuff was like some of the other characters were like, you know, the different characters from the, from the story. Yeah. But the theory of it being him and building the thing and the technology, the food cr- uh, production, it's like, aye, 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 aye. yeah, it's <laughs> the idea that it's Charlie is super nasty. That's... Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's crazy. It's, you know, it's, in, it's Infowars crazy, you know, Ooh. but uh, I don't think anything's that crazy, but anyway, I'll, I'm staying away from that stuff. I'm sh- I didn't say it. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going there. Not, no, no we we will not politicize the show. Um, All right, so you got you got your connection there to you got Train to Busan. We've got uh, Snowpiercer connection to Charlie of the Chocolate Factory. Anything else before we sign off? No, that's it. I think we've. Uh, I think we shared a lot of good stuff with our. Uh, our friends of the apocalypse to get to get them thinking and maybe uh, again, um, if you want to support support the small publisher, uh, go to and you like Gamma World. Even if you just want to read something cool, some adventures for Gamma World, throw I games. So throw letter I games. It's going to cost you for the PDFs. It's going to cost you six bucks. Okay, it's uh. You know, you you could you could skip your. Um, I went out of focus here. It's one latte. Yeah, you 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 could skip your. Hold on, I'm gonna focus my. Eh, it's not focusing. All right, but hold on, hold on. Yes, people, I got my hand in front of the camera to force <laughs> it to try to focus on me. There you go. Um, I should keep it off of autofocus. I should just make it a fixed focus, but. Um, yeah, throw out games can cost you six bucks. You know, you you could buy one less, you know, uh, Happy Meal uh, a month or for the whole year to support a small publisher for a cool some cool stuff. You know, um, but that's all we got. And uh, episode seventy five. And just as a side note, this is the fourth episode we've recorded in like the last what six weeks. Mm-hmm. But yeah. folks, we've done four episodes in six weeks. We're like, we're on fire, folks. Well, we didn't do a show for six months, so we're trying to make up for that. So yeah. it all evens out. <laughs> yeah. We do nothing for a whole year and then 12 episodes in one month. That, that's how it's going to work. Well, we weren't that bad. It was, it was literally about six months we didn't record anything. Uh, well, then we had another thing before. But a lot of that, or the stuff before that was due to me because I had my surgery and recovery and all kinds of BS going on, but, uh, but now we're back on track folks. You know, we made, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to necessarily keep up this, you know, a show every week pace, but we're going to keep them at least, you know, at least one or two a month, you know, uh, we're going to try to keep that pace up uh, for show. So uh, we could keep on getting content out there. Cause I, I would like, I would like to, before the end of next year, hit episode 100. Hmm. Absolutely. That's it. That, that's amb- that's ambitious. That's that means I have. So let's say this November is half over December. So in thirteen and a half months, we got to do twenty five more episodes. That that's a hefty order. All right, that's basically two a month. Yep. Uh, there is no guarantee that we will be able to accomplish that, folks. But we'll try our best. 
I'm I'm for it. A century, a century of apocalypse here. Oh yeah, I mean we've been doing the thing for what five years now, so to <laughs> finally hit a hundred. Well, like we never we didn't say we we're going to be cranking them out one a week or anything like that. We're just going to do them as we can, and you know we've been doing that. But hey, you know we're keeping a, keeping a steady flow of content coming. And I said that's why I'm trying to do different topics, like because we've covered a lot of the broad topics. We did that earlier on, like the things like you know food and music and clothing and weapons and you know religion and you know uh, communication we did a lot of those big broad topics didn't we do sex didn't we actually get around to sex at some point yeah we did sex that wasn't there's some ones that weren't my favorite episodes but um um we've we've covered all the things you're not supposed to talk about at dinner yeah, well, but now the, the, the sex one was the sex one wasn't terrible. The the religion one, I think we went we went two episodes on that. That that was way too much, you know. But hey, we live and learn, you know. Um, we, were, we we that was kind of a deep dive. Yeah, that was that was that was very deep. But but we've covered a lot of the broad topics, you know. You know, we've covered you know a lot you know games and movies and books. You know, um, I got to pick up my pace on reading so we could do more books. Well, the book thing is hard, folks, because that a lot of this stuff is like I've read a lot of books, but some of them I haven't read in like 25, 30 years. Yeah. It's like don't, I don't remember, so I have to reread them. And then Scott may not have a copy. Then we have to track down. So doing books is a little bit harder, you know. Um, uh, movies are easy, TV shows are easy, but uh, there's a lot of good books. We're gonna try to I'm gonna try to get into that stuff too. And I like this off-topic uh, one because we there's, that gives us a, a the ability to talk a lot. A, li- a lot about a little bit about a lot a little bit about a lot of uh, one more time one more time <clears throat> let's wait wait line line that gives us the ability to talk a little bit about a lot of things I don't know why, man i don't know why i couldn't get that out jesus um so that that's cool so i like that instead instead of chewing up 20 minutes of our, our normal shows about the little things. So if we just keep on dropping these in every few episodes, we could build up and save, like I said. And I think it's I think it's been a successful format. So uh, I kind of I'm, I'm glad we started doing that. So uh, but that's it folks. That's all our uh, news that's fit to print. Uh, we're going to jump off our stop talking about our get off our post apocalyptic uh, boat. Wait. Uh, wait, what do they it goes rant rave. Oh. We're gonna we're gonna get well because I said whatever we we're gonna talk about whatever floats our boat. I was trying to remake my connection, so we're getting off that boat. All right, it's not floating. It's not floating anymore. So we're off it. Um, abandoned, abandoned ship. We're we're gonna abandon abandoned ship. But um, uh, not sure what we're gonna do next, folks. But we know. Uh, hey, maybe we'll do rain. Uh, you know, there's some other things we we could talk about. But you know, can, as usual, means Scott will talk offline, and we'll. Uh, we can certainly do that Netflix roundup. Because yeah. Oh yeah, uh, we, yeah. When we it do comes that. to finding out where all your where all your easily accessible apocalypse is, you know, for good or, for good or bad, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of them that don't look that great, please. Oh uh, yeah. So, but at least we can make a nice comprehensive list. So that's something we could possibly do. So, all right, that's it, folks. Uh, again, as always, thank you uh, for joining us and give us giving us your uh, your time to entertain you. As usual, if you're a uh, uh, a big YouTube person, subscribe to the channel. Uh, that way you'll see when new episodes are posted. Um, otherwise, you know, you can subscribe, to, you know, you can like us on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff, but I would stay, I would stay, you can, but 
the main part, you know, you're going to get is the blog post podcast at crowd zero.com. Uh, that's where everything, everything gets posted. So you can always see what's going on. Go to the right column where it says subscribe by email. Uh, or you could just put in the address. And, uh, if you have, if you use an RSS feeder, uh, which uh, a lot of people do, I do myself, just put the address into your RSS feeder. And then anytime there's a new post, you'll see when something's happening or again, subscribe by email. There's a, a spot on the right side that, uh, we can put your email address. And I think we're up to like almost 400 people uh, subscribing by email now. So that's good. So anytime, uh, we post something, they'll get an email. So we don't, there's no other additional spam. It's just anytime there's a post. So uh, subscribe to us on the blog. Subscribe to us on YouTube. If you like the video, of course, like it. And uh, I think that that's it, folks. So as usual, uh, we'll see you in the wastelands. Thank you and good night.